0: that is the plight of the unregenerate or unsaved persons and it is a sad reality sad indeed that such ones will be unable to spend eternity with the holy and righteous God of creation now that's not good news is it I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. And I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. Uh, Right here at the outset, uh, let me wish all you fathers a happy Father's Day. And uh, guys, keep digging. Keep staying in the Word, getting that Word in your heart and allowing it to uh, lead and guide and direct you and bring you wisdom that's beyond the ages. Again, Happy Father's Day. I also want to mention to you that uh, we have been experimenting here at New Life for quite some time, time, I should say, with our camera operation, and it has been a tremendous learning curve. And I apologize for all the little glitches that you've been watching on New Life Telecast. We've been experimenting with you. Uh, We hope ultimately that it's going to prove to be a much uh, better viewing Uh, situation or experience, but in the meantime, we just keep trudging on. It's a real chore. I suggest to people that we're doing a million-dollar ministry on a hundred-dollar (laughs) budget. There's a lot of truth to that. You are looking at the uh, producer of New Life Telecast, and uh, it's not easy. I didn't go to school for this. It's kind of uh, just a the University of Hard Knocks, so to speak. But we really do appreciate you sticking with us each week. And ultimately, and I mean this, I believe this, we try to put together uh, the best program we can in terms of programming and entertainment value. But we're not here to entertain. We're here to share the Word of God with you. And I trust that that's coming through loud and clear. This particular teaching that we're going to get in tonight is actually a series that we've titled Resurrection Ready. And I'm just going to ask you right off the get-go, are you ready for the resurrection? Are you ready for the resurrection? And maybe you say, what resurrection? Well, there's one coming, and I want to encourage you to be ready for it. Our text passage for this particular teaching is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read just a few verses in your hearing right now. We're going to jump right on into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, we'll begin around verse 14. And the record puts it this way. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Let me conclude with verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, or those who have perished, those who have died, are lost. I trust the Lord would add His blessings to His eternal Word. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned us on tonight, whether live or later, and I pray that by your Word you would speak to each heart, and we'll thank you, we'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on, I'll be back here in just a little while, but uh, let us, let's get us resurrection ready. God bless. Paul begins to wrap up this letter to the Corinthians with this very key chapter. Now let me say this to you, this chapter wasn't just put in the Bible so that we preachers would have something to read at people's graveside, okay? Okay. It'll work today as well. Paul convenes very simply. Now I'm going back to verse one of our text chapter. The very first part of that chapter begins. Now, brothers, I want to remind you. Everybody say remind. That's important this morning. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Now look at that little front, little part of that. Sentence now, brothers. He's talking to the brothers. That's always the church, not the brothers or it's. not any. He's talking about the church, the ecclesia. He says, "I want to remind you." In other words, he's going to put in your mind once again something that you've already been taught. What is he wants to remind them of? The Gospel, Which gospel? The gospel I preach to you. I want you to see that from that sentence, I could preach for days. Do you see that? Now, the question I have, and I'm not going to preach for days, not all at one time, but the question I have is where did Paul get this gospel he's talking about? Where did he get it? Check this out. The question oft arises whether the gospel originated with Paul. In other words, did Paul make this up and go around the countryside teaching this to, the pe- to people, claiming that it was something whatever? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3, the first part of the verse, answers this question very clearly. Let me say to you that typically the Bible answers any question you have. But look what Paul says in verse 3. For what I received. How many of you know that in order to receive something, somebody else had to have it and hand it to you? Are you with me? Doesn't the Bible just make sense when you stop and slow down and read it slow enough and pay attention to what it's saying? Paul says, I received what I received, I passed on to you. Number one on your study notes, no. Everybody say no. No. It did not come from Paul's head, but rather it came from heaven's throne. If you're with me, say Amen. Now, let me show you this from the Word, and I could have went all over the Bible for this. We're going to try to stick pretty close to home. I'm going to Acts chapter chapter 9 to begin with, then chapter 17, then Romans 1, 1, and I'm going to hit this pretty quickly. Listen to Acts 9. Paul, or actually Saul, has just been converted. His name is subsequently changed to Paul, and we read at once, immediately after his conversion, he began to preach in the synagogues. Now, that's important. Why is that important? It wasn't his synagogue. It was God's. Think of synagogue as synagogues. It's God's. Are you with me? What was he preaching? That Jesus is the Son of God. That wasn't just something he made up out of his head. Verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus. How? By proving that Jesus is the Christ. And he did that from the Old Testament scriptures that were written even well long before Paul came along. Again, look at chapter 17 of Acts. As his custom was, Paul went into The synagogue, I wonder if that's your custom. Now preacher, I've never been in a synagogue in my life. What about this place? It was his custom, customary for him to go into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, look at this, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. That's usually a clue, it's capital S, usually talking about the Old Testament word of God that's what he was sharing Paul kind of summarizes all of this as he writes this eloquent letter to the Romans chapter 1 verse 1 Paul a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle it's not just something he decided to do read of his conversion you'll know that I'm telling you the truth called to be an apostle and set apart for look at this the gospel of God whose gospel The gospel of God, verse 2, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. Now, again, I could have spent a lot of time here, but I said that to help you understand this. What Paul began with, that which follows here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is not newly minted information. Much rather, it is being repeated. These truths are being repeated. How many of you know some things are worth repeating? Is that true? Some things are worth repeating. Perhaps you heard the story of the pilot. The pilot was flying a, some passenger somewhere when suddenly the rudder malfunctioned. Can you say rut row He radioed the control tower in a panic and he shouted, the rudder has malfunctioned. What shall I do? Did it just like that. And the air traffic controller radioed back, keep calm, captain, just repeat after me. Wings flap, check. Velocity, check. Altitude, check. The pilot made those appropriate adjustments and the aircraft continued on course. Thank the Lord. A mere five minutes later, the starboard engine stalled out and the pilot radioed the control tower and he shouted, the starboard engine has shut out. What should I do? Said it just like that. And the air traffic controller radioed back, keep calm, captain. Just repeat after me wings flap check velocity check altitude check and the plane continued on after those appropriate adjustments just like it was supposed to however a mere five minutes later ironically the pilot radioed the control tower a third time how many times A third time, this time he shouted, Mayday, mayday, the engine has gone. What shall I do? And the air traffic controller radioed back and said, Keep calm, Captain. Just repeat after me. Our Father, which art in heaven. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. Some things are worth repeating. I'm not sure that story was. But some things are. Number two on your study notes, beloved. One such thing is the truth outlining God's gospel. The truth outlining God's gospel is worth repeating. And I must ask ask myself, why? Why is it worth repeating? Look back in our text chapter once again. 1 Corinthians 15 and 2. By this gospel, God's gospel... You are saved. Can I see your eyeballs just a moment? If you are saved, if you spend eternity in heaven with God, it will be because you came by way of this gospel. You came by way of God's plan, not just something you thought of or you just hauled off and did. By this gospel... You are saved. In other words, it is purely holy by the truth presented in this gospel message that we are saved and rescued from our sins. Now, Pastor Terry, what sins are you talking about? I'm not a sinner. Let me take just a moment to offer you a refresher course with regards to our sin problem. I'm going to Romans chapter 3. We'll be there for just a little while. If you want to flip over there, Romans chapter 3. Let me show you something. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to build you up. I want you to understand this truth. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, As it is written a reference to God's plan. In fact, what uh, what he is about to say comes from the psalmist. It comes well, from Psalm 14, Psalm 53, and also from the pen of Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. As it is written, there is no one righteous. No one. Not even one. There's no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's not one who does good, not even one. Paul summarizes all that in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Beloved, that is the plight of the unregenerate or unsaved person. And it is a sad reality, sad indeed, that such ones will be unable to spend eternity with the holy and righteous God of creation. Now that's not good news, is it? So Pastor Terry, what do we do? According to Romans chapter 3 and verse 22 22, if you back up just a little bit, there is a righteousness. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from any man. But there is a righteousness or a right standing that comes forth Through faith in Jesus Christ, watch this, to all who believe. Now, the Bible's not just talking about people who lend mental credence to the fact that there is a God and that Jesus existed, but those who put their faith and trust in Jesus according to God's plan. Now, why did I take you there? Very simply, this begins to highlight the core message of God's gospel not paul's gospel but god's gospel as presented by paul look at the middle part of first corinthians 15 and 3 we're told christ died for our sins there's a reason why i wanted you to understand our sin problem christ died for our sins In fact, and I trust that you know this by now, some of you may not have put two and two together, but that is exactly why Jesus Christ had to die on the cross, is because of our sins. Every sin, can you say every sin? And I know we don't like to talk about this. Every sin that has ever been committed by each and every person, ever born into this existence, and that includes your sin, was the reason for Jesus Christ's crucifixion. In other words, I'm headed to some number on your study notes. Beloved, it is true. Our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. And instead of putting our in that blank, are you bold enough to put your name in there? Because it's true. Now, this is the point in the service where I want you to look around and if you find anybody sleeping, punch them so hard that they fall out in the floor right now. Would you do that? Because what I have to say is a lot more important than what they're dreaming about, I promise you. Here we go. Let me take just a moment to reemphasize to you verse 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins, verse 4. He was buried, He was raised. That's another word for resurrected. Now, that begins to outline or to undergird the real meat of this message that I have felt impressed to share with you this morning. And that is for you to understand that Jesus not only died for your sins and was of necessity buried. How many of you know that's what they do with dead things? Dead people in particular, they buried them, or a reasonable facsimile thereof. So it was of necessity. But ultimately, we have the resurrection. The resurrection was given as the greatest hope for victory over your sins. Let me talk about this just a second. Paul says in verse 19 of our text chapter, uh, chapter 15, if only for this life we have hope in Christ. Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Folks, I'll tell you this morning, there just has to be more than this present existence. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm a little ACDC or whatever you call that, up one minute and down the next. I, there's a word for that. That's me. I can't help it. It's a chemical thing, okay? I, I don't take medicine. I just pray about it. But there are times, scant few times, where I have just some momentary, uh, nearly seconds or minutes of elation through the week. You ever have any times like that? I had some of those spells this week. Oh, it was just, everything was great. It was wonderful. No problem. Sky was blue, cooled off a little bit. It was wonderful. And then 15 minutes later, something dumb happens. You feel like you just go to the bottom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just cruising along. Life couldn't be better. And then, boom, the bottom falls out. Hey, if this is all there is to it, those ups and downs, I'm telling you, we're in for a world of hurt. If all there is is this present existence and the the pain, the trouble, and the turmoil, and perhaps you say, Pastor Terry, everything's wonderful. We sang this morning, was good, and and we had the best preacher in the world. Everything's just wonderful. Well, just let me remind you, y'all got to go to work tomorrow while I'm mowing my yard. It's a amen right there. Yeah, work, I had to bring that up. The up and down. Listen, there is more than just this present existence. Indeed, there is. Listen, beloved, if Jesus had not been gotten up out of that grave by Holy Spirit, then at best, we would live in this Pitiful existence with only the hope of sleeping in the dirt, sleeping in the ground from now on and forever. That's encouraging, isn't it? But Jesus was resurrected. Look at your neighbor and say, he was. He was. Jesus was resurrected. How do we know? Pastor Terry, you preachers seem to be so confident about all of this. How can we be so certain? Well, let me try to help you with this. Believe it or not, and I'm going to back up just a little bit. This is the question that was posed to Paul way back then, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Many, maybe more than likely, most then doubted the resurrection of Christ. That was the predominant thought around the community. That would have been the popular thought in the culture. But then consider with me verse 14 of our text passage. Paul is teaching these people who have no real concept about or really a belief about the resurrection he says, "And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If He hasn't been raised, this what I'm doing right now is just an exercise in futility." Verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Whoa! How many of you want to still be in your sins? This resurrection thing is pretty important. Then those also who have fallen asleep, those who have died already in Christ, are lost. They are destined, they are doomed for an eternity in hell. Now listen, these verses... And what is stated here continues true in our own time. Fill in number four with me on your study notes. Beloved, if Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, was not resurrected, then you will die someday with no hope of your own resurrection. Now, I have to remind you of this from time to time. It's not a scare tactic. I just trust it will sober you. Let me see your eyeballs just a sec. If you live long enough, you're going to die. I wish you wouldn't talk about that. Well, when it happens, you might be glad I talked about it. It's going to happen. I'm in the funeral business. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. And if Jesus was not resurrected, then you're going to face that time with no hope of your own resurrection, no hope beyond that death, that pale of sorrows, and that grave. Can you think of a more miserable place to be Laying in a grave with no particular place to go. The most multiple commentators have said this, so I'm in good company. The most important part of the gospel is the resurrection. The most important part of the gospel is the resurrection. It is the exclamation point on the gospel sentence. It puts it all into effect. Now, I'm going to draw a line right there for just a sec. Stick with me. I want to be very clear with you about what I mean when I talk about biblical resurrection. First, I am not just talking about a spiritual resurrection. What do you mean by that, Pastor Terry? I'm not talking about some mystical raising up of some unseen spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. Rather, I am speaking about a literal, say literal, physical, say physical, bodily, say bodily, a literal, physical, bodily resurrection. That is what the Bible, the Word of God teaches. And why do I tell you that? Because everybody doesn't believe it. And it's true. Let me show you. Are you up for this? Here we go. So now you'll know. After. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There's more, and we'll look forward to sharing that with you next week. But let me wrap it up, uh, this particular session, by saying this. If Jesus Christ was not resurrected, if He wasn't, then you have no hope of your own resurrection. The only hope you have is perishing in the grave at some point in time. But the good news is this. He was resurrected. We're going to deal with that more uh, in the back half of this teaching next week and then the subsequent week. We're really going to hit that hot and heavy. And I trust it would be an encouragement to you as we look into the Word of God and realize what it says about our own resurrection and our resurrection bodies. Hey, let me ask you, have you been born again, Spirit-filled, Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is God really your Father through a relationship with Jesus Christ? Pastor Terry, how does that happen? I believe the Bible teaches us very simply that we confess our sins. We admit to God that we are a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We repent of those sins. We turn away from a lifestyle of sin and turn toward a holy God. We open up our heart's door. And we invite Jesus to come in and to do that work in our own heart. And we believe that He will do exactly what He said He would do. It's just that simple. It couldn't be that simple, Pastor. Well, it is. And I encourage you to do just exactly that, to pray, to cry out, to call out to God the Father and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I'm sorry for that. And I'm opening up my life, my heart, and I'm inviting you to come in to forgive me of my sins, to establish yourself on the throne of my heart, to be the Lord of my life, and to lead me and to guide me right on into heaven, ultimately in this resurrection that we have been talking about. Please don't put that off. It's not worth it. This world and this life is so brief. It's just like a vapor, a mist the Bible teaches us. Here one moment and then gone. Don't put it off. Don't clamor after the things of this world too long and put off the things of the next life which last for eternity. Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now, and I pray that by your word you have spoken to hearts. Not what I say, but what you say. May it penetrate their hearts and minds and soul and strength and every fiber of their being. I pray for that one or two that may have prayed even during this session for you to be their Lord, their Savior, the forgiver of their sins, and to establish them as your child. I pray that you'd strengthen them in the days to come. Help them, Lord, to find the right people, to really help them grow and mature in this walk that has been established. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you take care. I trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. I do want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning. At 10 o'clock, we'd invite you to come out and be a part of that. uh, We're located at 415 Micah Road here in the beautiful outskirts of Ridgeway, Virginia. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening, something for nearly every member of the family. That's at 7 o'clock. I'm Terry Knight, and I have to get out of here. Again, we thank you for listening in. Trust you're going to have a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back?